to the two are gathered Catholic podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob, how are you doing today? James, I'm doing quite well. It's the feast of the Holy Family today as we record our podcast. And so uh, it's a wonderful celebration of the Holy Family and also our families, which are important to us, especially at this time of year, right? Christmas. So, you know, overall things are going well. And how are you today? I'm all right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Hope, uh, hope you had a, a, a blessed uh, Christmas day. Well, it was okay, but, uh, you know, I actually was finishing up my COVID quarantine. Oh, I didn't know we were going to share that publicly. Yes, I thought I'd kind of bring that out into the light. That way I can get a lot of sympathy from our listeners. So, um, Well, you, you certainly got a lot of prayers from me. Yes, I know. Thank you. I'm very grateful for that. So, <laughs> yes. That's probably what got you through. Uh, it would have helped. It definitely would have helped. <laughs> so yeah, so my the, Christmas the, day was spent in quarantine, although I did have a mass for a few seminarians who are also, um, who tested positive, so we were all kind of in the same boat, and joined them for uh, a couple of meals, and I'll be seeing my family uh, this week, so that's all good. So how many seminarians were, because you, you work in the seminary, you're the spiritual director for, what's the name of the seminary? So St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and how many seminarians uh, currently came down have come down with? Um, I think there were a total of about uh, twenty five total at various points. So it was it kind of swept through the seminary um, right before Christmas. How many guys are in seminary? Um, we have about fifty here. Wow, so half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. I know. So, so the chances of you getting it was. Literally 50-50. Uh, yeah, at least, at least, yeah. There, at a certain point, it was it seemed almost inevitable. But anyway, uh, guys are on break now, so many of them have scattered in their, uh, with their families. So they some of them didn't get it because they weren't here. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. And everyone is recovering. And Yeah, nobody had a very severe case. There were different levels of symptoms, of course. Mine were pretty mild. But, um, yeah, most of these guys are young enough that uh, it, it didn't affect them too badly. Well, thank God for that. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> All right. Well, I didn't think we were going to go there, but that's cool. <laughs> I'm, you know, sharing a little insight into our own yeah. personal lives that's, on the podcast. There you go. Hey, something that, um, which is also uh, interesting, um, we've gathered uh, two, two are gathered, <laughs> uh, we have two are gathered in Iran. There's two people who have listened to our podcast in Iran. All right. Woo-hoo. So to, to um, we're, we're guessing, we're just, all we know is that they live in Iran. We don't know anything about them. Mm. If they're, you know, if they're Chaldean or, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Catholics living in Iran, correct? Is that correct? Yeah, that's Chaldean. I, I believe they are Chaldean. There may be other other rites as well. I'm not that familiar with the uh, state of Christianity in Iran. You know, these maybe these are curious Muslims too. We don't know. They could be. Well, regardless, uh, we would just like to say Marhaban. Oh. What does and that mean? Shukran. Oh, Shukran. Uh, yeah, I know what Shukran. Uh, is. Welcome and thank you. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I had to. Uh, I had a um, Arabic uh, convenience store across the street from mm. where I lived, and it helped me immensely to buy milk and cigarettes <laughs> if I could speak uh, a few words. Sure. Of Arabic. 
Sure. So yeah, bring more Iranians. That would be awesome. So we're we're officially an international phenomenon now. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me. Uh, shall we, um, we? We have a new segment called um, our, our, our uh, uh, mail to to our gathered. Um, let me uh, let me pull up uh, the the mail that we've received. Okay. Okay, and now that segment is done, we can move on. <laughs> oh, not yet, huh? Well, nobody's. We don't even get spam. We don't even get. Like, I'll go and I'll uh, check and make sure the email address is working. Yeah, but it's like nobody's Nobody. like. Hmm. We're not. We're not getting spoofed. We're not getting. Mm. You know, like, hey, you need to log into your your whatever account right now yeah, or anything. Yeah, nothing. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, so enough about that. Today we plan on talking about uh, reconciliation. I figured we'd forego the whole. Hey, what do you want to talk about? Because that bit was, I think that was probably getting old. Yeah, it probably was, yeah. <laughs> so, probably the most popular Catholic topic mm-hmm. for people that everyone has now turned off the podcast. They're talking about reconciliation. Let's click, click turn right. this off. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but hey, we well, thought it would be a very important uh, podcast because it's such a fundamental part of our. Catholic faith, you know, the sacraments in general, and uh, of course the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, but we know that the other, kind of the other main sacrament that we celebrate regularly uh, throughout our lives, or at least we hope that's the case, is the sacrament of reconciliation. And, you know, you, you use that word reconciliation, and that's one of the names that we call it today. I think maybe, maybe even more so today than confession, although confession is still very common too, but um, but those names are kind of revealing because the word reconciliation implies that we are reconciled through the sacrament, and naturally we're reconciled with God because our sin, especially serious or mortal sin, can break that communion with God, and so we need that relationship to be restored or reconciled. But we're also reconciled with the church, uh, the body of Christ, and um, so there's kind of a vertical and, and horizontal uh, aspect to that uh, word, reconciliation. Uh, we know it, of course, as the sacrament of confession, where we go and confess our sins, bring them out into the light so that God can heal them and forgive them. But there's also an element of confessing God's goodness and God's mercy to us. So there's a, it's not just about confessing sin, but also confessing all that God does uh, in restoring us through the sacrament. And I think the other name that most people would probably associate with this sacrament is the sacrament of penance. Um, so that, that accent is a little more on the uh, penitential uh, dimension or the fact that we, um, you know, we want to, after we've confessed our sins, we usually do some kind of penance, a prayer or something else that indicates that we're truly sorry and contrite and also is a little effort, a small effort on our part to somehow Kind of make amends uh, for our sins. So anyway, well, let's let's start out with the basics. Uh-huh. Um, why? Um, how often do we need to confess? When should we go to confession? Um, and you know, yeah, why? Kind of I think you covered why just there, but uh, well, but um, there's more we can say about that too. Yeah. But, well, I think um, 
you know, the church asks us to go at a minimum uh, once a year. Um, when people come, uh, you know, to confession after having been away for a long time, it's, it's a special joy to welcome people back. Um, and some people, I think some Catholics are used to going once a year. And I usually encourage people to consider going monthly. Uh, that's been my rhythm of going to confession for a long time now. And I figure, you know, in any 30-day period, I've certainly thought and said and done things that I know are wrong and not loving, uh, not in conformity with God's will. And then, of course, there's those sins of... Uh, omission, where we don't do the thing that we should as well. Those, those might be even more frequent than the sins of commission. So I would, I would urge... Well, what do you mean by the sins of omission? What, yeah. What's that, what's so, that yeah, no, that's good. We, um, so we distinguish often between sins of commission and sins of omission. So commission are things that we actively do that are uh, sinful or that are not, um, you know, somehow um, what God wants us to do and according to his will. But then we can also sin by omission, meaning we omit doing, we fail to do what we should. So, for example, if I never really pray or if I don't go to Sunday Mass and Mass on Holy Days of Obligation, I'm, I'm committing a sin by failing to do the right and good and loving thing. Sure. So, yeah. So I think that's that's the basic distinction there. Um, can you absolve me of that sin right now? <laughs> uh, I can't, Jim. Unfortunately, it doesn't travel through the um, technological means at our disposal here and reach you. No, that's a good question, though. You know, and there have been, you know, there used to be, I think, a number of years ago, there was actually a confession app where people thought they could be absolved. You know, through this app, and actually, um, one needs to be in the presence physical presence of a priest to receive the absolution that uh, he's authorized to dispense. So, yep, can't do it uh, over the computer. Why, why do you think um, this is easily the least popular sacrament? Hmm. Like, I know of so many people that just are like, oh, I haven't been to confession in years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I'm not putting any judgment on them um or any i i there was periods of my life when i went uh, a few years without going to confession mm-hmm. and, you know now thanks to you know a big part uh, having spiritual direction with you mm-hmm. which got me into the habit of doing it once a month mm-hmm. um that was a habit i was able to continue on with but yeah. why do you think this is such an unpopular sacrament yeah yeah well I think it's because uh, none of us, even those those of us who do go regularly, um, none of us really enjoy uh, telling our sins to another person, even if we know that that priest has heard a gazillion confessions and there's nothing I'm going to confess that he, he hasn't heard uh, umpteen times already. But nonetheless, you know, part of the, the, the struggle, and it's a good struggle, but part of the difficulty is, yeah, I have to admit that I'm a sinner and I have to kind of humbly bring out into the light things that I'm not proud of, maybe even ashamed of. So there's that. I think that's a big reason. And and maybe there's some fear, especially on the part of uh, people that don't go very often, fear that the priest is going to somehow either internally judge them very negatively and harshly, or maybe even kind of lay into them and excoriate them and tell them what an awful person they are and all of that. So they may not 
uh, trust that the priest is going to be really a, a merciful minister, but maybe uh, a more of a harsh judge. And so I'd say those are probably at least two of the more common fears that keep people from going to the sacrament. Um, my own experience when I go, and especially when I, when I celebrate with people, is you know, just the opposite. I think um, if it's done well, confession can be one of the most joyful and liberating experiences that we have, uh, where we really walk away feeling relieved and unburdened, and like um, God's mercy really was granted to me through the, the compassion of the, uh, of the priest. I always tell people, don't forget that when you go to confession, there's always two, pre- two sinners in every confessional, you know, because the priest is a sinner as well, so don't let, don't let that be a hindrance to you coming. Well, and, and how, much, how much, so seriously, how much do you judge people? You just like when I would come to confession, I'd leave. You'd be like, "Fellows, no, no, no." I, <laughs> I, I pretty much forget everything by the time you close the door. So you know, we're we're kind of trained to do that. And when you've heard of as many confessions as I have, nothing really uh, stands out that much anymore. Which is a good thing. I mean that in a very in a very good way. Um, I think that's one of the. I'm guessing that's one of the graces that is imbued upon priests once they receive holy orders is that they can just forget the stuff. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that, you know. And um, It really is God who forgives, of course. Uh, we priests are delegated by God and the Church to forgive sins in the name of Jesus Christ, but he's the one that does the forgiving. And we just, yeah, we just rejoice that people um, find the confessional uh, a place of great healing. So um, I think the second, um, the first most popular is probably not going to confession. I think there's a lot of people that just don't don't think that that's the case. But I think the second is to go to confession um, someplace aside from your home parish. Mm. Yeah, which I think is great. And I used to do that too. I did that uh-huh. for a bunch of years. And you just, I was going to confession once a month yep. at, a, at a neighboring parish. Yeah, and why was and that? Then, when was that? No, no. Or why? why? Was it? Yeah, say say more about why. Well, we no. I'm not gonna say say more as to oh, okay. why that was the case. We had some issues. With, oh, okay, okay. With the priest in our parish, and and I didn't feel like he was a really good confessor. I'd, okay, I'd gone okay. to him for confession, you know, quite often. Right. Um, we kind of hit a patch, and, and okay, okay. Um, but I'd, for some people, anyway, it might just be also that fear of like, what's my pastor going to think? He might rec- right. recognize He's my gonna voice. He's going to see me next week, see, right? Yeah, right that kind of thing. Jim, right. is that you? <laughs> <laughs> what? I never imagined right. you would have done that. Right. But right. Uh, so yeah, but I was going to confession so often <laughs> at this other parish. Uh, the priest was like, well, you heard my homily last week when I was talking about this. And I was like, uh, actually, I don't, I don't actually go to your <laughs> church, Father. I was like, yeah. what are you doing here? And I'm like, I think you're a great confessor. So, But I know a lot of guys that do that. I don't know about women. I know a lot of guys <laughs> that take off and they'll go, to, right. they'll go to a different church and confess in front of a stranger. Now, we do have, of course, still uh, the, the two options uh, in the Catholic Church. So um, one can go anonymously uh, behind a, a screen of some type so that um, sometimes a person feels more comfortable in that setting. Uh, other people actually prefer to go face-to-face uh, just so that they can 
Um, I guess, you know, they might feel that the encounter with the priest is more personal in that case. And, um, but, you know, we priests are happy to hear confession either way. And the important thing is that the person is coming and confessing their sins and being forgiven. So however it happens, whatever form it takes is secondary. So I know the parishes usually put on some kind of, um, you know, penance services too, or reconciliation services, like especially during Lent and Advent, because uh, I'm often called upon to go to various parishes and kind of help out as a confessor. So, so you know, one can go anytime. Make you know, there most parishes have a weekly time, usually on Saturday, when there's like an hour set aside for confession. Or you know, you can always call up the priest and make uh, an individual appointment. But then there are also organized um, reconciliation services that might incorporate um, some music and a little homily by the priest. And that, those are kind of nice in the sense that it emphasizes um, the, the church dimension, too, because you're not going just individually, but you're there with others who are coming to also be reconciled. Um, so, anyway. Does it help to save some of the more embarrassing ones and not share those? Say, what you, I don't know. I'm not sure I understand your question. <laughs> Save them? Well, just, you know, like brush over them and just move on to the ones that are a little less uh, awkward. And then just kind of hope that you get, um, you know, uh, you get, you get. Uh, uh, you mean as a penitent or do you mean as a. Uh, yeah, no, no, as a penitent, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's important to name as many as you can. Even you, you, you need to confess the mortal sins. Those are the bigger ones that need to be mentioned. Um, and this is something actually I'm glad we're talking about because uh, it can be a source of confusion for people. So the, the church requires that we confess our mortal sins. Uh, it encourages that we confess venial sins or, or sins of lesser importance. Um, and I think that's a good practice to confess, you know, all the sins that we're aware of. But one of the things that can be difficult, especially for scrupulous people, is when they leave confession and then they remember that they, you know, forgot to confess a particular venial sin or something, it's very important that people not feel like they have to rush back and begin all over again, you know? Right. Uh, and usually that's why we would say at the end of our confession something like, you know, for these sins and all the others that I've either forgotten or I'm not even aware of, I also, you know, seek God's pardon for those. So uh, go into, uh, so that we've got three criteria for mortal sin. Right. right. Yep. And it's it's got to be of... Uh, um, I got it. I don't. You probably know this off the top of your head. It's a grave matter, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to fully know that it's grave matter mm-hmm. before you do it, mm-hmm. and then you have to give deliberate consent. You must freely choose to commit the act Correct. or plan to do it. Yep. yep. Now, a lot of people, including myself, for like a really long time, when you'd hear grave sin, um, the only ones that you would think of would be like uh, sexual sins. Well, I, I think, but that's murder, not the case. Well, murder, is yeah, murder. Serious. Well, yeah, but there's not, it's <laughs> not a lot of people murdering out there and then going to <laughs> maybe. Uh, I, I, you, I don't know. I, you can't tell me, but uh, no, it, was just, a, well, it wouldn't be very. I can't common. imagine there's like you know a lot of people coming in and be like, yeah, I just you know I murdered somebody. No, uh, no, it doesn't happen too often. I would say, but it's a, the other grave sins would be lying. Lying is considered a grave sin. Um, Steph. Taking, 
Pardon? Theft. I, th- I think like the Ten Commandments yes. are a good. The guide, Ten Commandments so. are the guidelines for the for the mortal right. sins to cover. Right. And but I it, have to. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but even within that, there's obviously distinctions, right? So, I mean, a white lie wouldn't necessarily be a mortal sin. Um, but uh, you're right. I think uh, a lot of people can think that maybe only sexual sins are the ones that fall into that grave matter category when there's there's a lot of other sins that may be even worse because they're more malicious. I mean, often right. sexual sin, not all, but sometimes sexual sins, we... we call them sins of, of weakness, you know, that we may experience lust as something that kind of overwhelms us or overpowers us. Although there, too, we have to be aware that uh, we can very definitely cooperate um, with those passions as well. But uh, sometimes sins of malice or uncharity are, are worse because they are more deliberate. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about things like when we gossip about somebody and really engage in like detraction where we're seriously harming their reputation, for example. I mean, that, that's pretty right. serious stuff because it's hard, it's hard to um, undo such a sin, you know. Um, Would that, that be considered grave matter? If it can be. I mean, if, if, you're, okay. if you're doing some serious detraction against somebody and really defaming their character, that, yeah, I, I think that definitely could fall into the category of serious or grave. One of the things, too, that, you know, as, as we're talking now, you know, some things are, are coming to mind. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's important to note is that in confession, our sins are forgiven, but the consequences or the ramifications of our sins still play themselves out often in ways that we don't foresee. And so that's also something that God needs to deal with, if not on this earth. You know, we as Catholics talk about purgatory um, as, as, you know, a, a post-death uh, experience of being purified and of having relationships uh, reconciled. Because, you know, the fact is, if I, let's take that example of defaming character. Let's say I go out, Jim, and I spread all kinds of uh, lies about you to other people, and then that affects your life. People stop, you know, interacting with you, or maybe they stop doing professional business with you because of all these horrible things I've said. Well, okay, if I go to confession and I'm truly sorry, I might be forgiven for that sin of detraction against you, but there's still all that, you know, all those consequences that are still out there and that my confession doesn't really undo. So uh, that's another dimension to sin that we need to really highlight and why, why sin is such a big deal. The, um, the other thing that is, there's so much to reconciliation that mm-hmm. um, comes to mind. And it's, it's, it, it's a hard habit to get into, but once you're in the habit... Like I try to go once a month. Mm-hmm. I, I do that the like the first Tuesday every month. I've got it scheduled. Uh-huh. Um, I, my uh, my my pastor holds confession on Tuesdays at uh, five o'clock, mm-hmm. and so I just go in and I sit down and I chair them. And but I also really try to think them out. Like I didn't do this for a long time, but um, I really try to think them out and get them um, like put together a list in Uh my head and have this whole thing put together. And I think that there's, I know (laughs) that there's, that they're usually in line before me, that there's a lot of people that aren't doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, why are they in there for 10 minutes? I was talking with, I was at a ball game with one priest and he's like, yeah, uh, four minutes. 
That's what you get. You should, <laughs> if you can't if you can't get it all done in four minutes, you need to make a well. An yeah, maybe maybe for somebody like yourself that goes regularly, but then there are situations where a person hasn't gone for a long time, and and we have to remember too that part of a good confession can include some kind of uh, you know advice or counsel that's given too. Now that gets a little tricky because I know there are some priests, uh, even ones that I know personally who could easily spend 20 minutes, you know, in the confessional, and it isn't really meant to be a counseling session. You know, if, if something right. is really difficult or complicated, then it would be good to tell the penitent, you know, let's, let's get together at another time when I can really have more time with you and we can talk through this more leisurely. But yeah, typically you're right. You want to keep the confession relatively short, especially when there's a long line. Uh, people get frustrated. And I, I think actually right, not just having a list in your head, but I find even for myself, like coming in with a written list is helpful because then I'm not going to be like, oh, darn, you know, there's two more things that I know I thought of, you know, half an hour ago, right. but I just can't remember. So a person might feel better if they were to write down the list just, just for the sake of not having to rely on memory and all that. But, but you're right. I mean, whether it's four minutes or five minutes, I mean, it should be relatively brief. Uh, but again, if it's, if it's a situation where a person's coming after, you know, 30 years, uh, that may need some more. Some that more may need a bit more time. Yeah. But you know, when when I'm going in, I'm trying to be considerate of the six people in line behind me, right. and that the priest is going to take off in a half an hour and, and go celebrate mass. Right, so right, right. Yeah. Let's get you don't to want the to point. Monopolize. Yeah. We're not going to chit chat or talk about the twins or the Vikings. Let's just right. let's get to the heart of the matter. No, that's let's true. Go. That's true. I had I had one. Um, I went to. I used to. I used to, when I was going to confession at a church that wasn't my church. And one of the reasons that I really liked to go there, the, the main confessor was a great guy. The main mm-hmm. priest there was awesome. Okay. Um, but when he would take off on vacation, and he, then other priests would come in and cover confession. The the other the one of the other reasons why it was great to go there is that nobody went to confession at this church. Oh. So I'd go in there, and there'd be like, you know maybe two people waiting to hear confession. Sometimes mm. I'd have to go get the priest out of the office and be like, he's like, oh, I didn't think anybody was coming today. <laughs> wow. But, but there was a retired priest in one day, and I went into confession, and there was nobody waiting. It was yeah. just him and me. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this opportunity to, you know, uh, elaborate a little bit more okay. on some of the things that I struggle with and sure. some of the things that are frustrating me and mm-hmm. prevent me from being a better person. And so I went through my list and I, I, and I said, well, you know, Father, I also here's some of the things that I'm really struggling with. And after like a minute, he goes, yeah, yeah, we get the point on this one. Let's move this along. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> How did that feel to you? I got bum rushed by the priest. <laughs> so yeah, we get it. Let's Ooh. just uh yeah, all right. And then he gives me my penance and he looks at me and goes, You're a good guy. You're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, there's there's nobody out there. Yeah. Literally we could have, you know Maybe maybe that's, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh my But I had one uh, confession experience where it was at the same church and it was another substitute priest and it was I don't know the guy's name um, he was a priest um, that was clearly from Africa because he had um, the accent and 
just it, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, this is, I don't know, this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. So I go through my whole, I do my whole thing, and he gets done, and he pauses for a second, and he thinks about it, and then he starts going through each sin, each of my sins, and and thanking me for having the courage to come forward and mm-hmm. bring this to confession and that he knows how hard this is like Mm -hmm. it's this completely empathetic Mm -hmm. experience and at first i was like oh no stop thank you let's (laughs) no and then like he kept on going Mm. and like i literally was saying you can stop that's okay and he would not stop wow and at the end i was just bawling i was just it was so emotional. Wow. And it was probably the most cathartic. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this to my former confessor. <laughs> uh, this was the most cathartic <laughs> confession <laughs> that I've ever experienced. Yeah, awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. No, and, and when it's done well, you're right. I mean, the, the sacrament is, is so beautiful. And it isn't unusual for people uh, to uh, experience some real deep emotion and, and even weeping or tears in the confessional, just be, sometimes because of the sorrow that they genuinely feel, and then also because of the joy of just knowing that they're truly, really forgiven by God. I mean, that, that you know, is there anything uh, that's more beautiful and awesome than that? And, and I think a lot of us priests would, t- would tell you that, you know, it may be the most consoling ministry that we, uh, that we have. So it's, it's really wonderful. I was going to ask you, Jim, you know, as Catholics, yeah. we, we do believe, of course, that God, being God, he, he hears every sin, he knows all the, all the stirrings of our hearts. And so what would you say to maybe a non-Catholic um, who, who would kind of object to our sacrament and say, you know, I can go into my bedroom, get on my knees by my bed and just tell the Lord my sins, and he hears them, and of course he'll forgive me. Like, why do I need to even go to a priest and go through this kind of ritual thing um i mean as somebody who goes regularly yourself like what what's what 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 would be different for you between just confessing privately in your bedroom versus going to a priest in a confessional well first of all i tell them that they can absolutely do that if they if that's that they're that god god will hear your confession in your bedroom on your knees that being said the sacrament of confession isn't for God; it's for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the the um, the experience. It's and and I tell people it's a lot like the two things that I've learned in life um, is that I'm never done doing laundry and I'm never <laughs> done apologizing to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I just see it all the time. The older I get. It's like the list of people who need an apology from me just keeps on growing. And I try to, I'll knock some off and then I'll realize I've added some more. And laundry, it's the same thing as laundry. Mm-hmm. It's just like every week I got I got more shirts to wash mm-hmm. and more shirts. But the, the thing about making an apology to somebody who I care about, I can think in my own head, man, I feel really, really bad about that. But... Until I say it out loud to them, mm-hmm. there's no healing for me mm. until I actually say that. Yeah, yeah. And and it's because we're in a relationship, and it's. I think the same thing applies to confession. Mm. To be able to say it out loud, and to have somebody hear it mm-hmm. who is there 
in persona Christe mm-hmm. and and can respond to me right. and can reject it if if he so chooses to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the power of the healing really comes into play. Yeah, it just there's there's uh, the physical expression of saying it out loud. And it makes it real when you say it out loud. Right. It does. It really does. You know, I think about even like your relationship with Jen. I mean, okay, so here you are, a married couple, and you both love each other and you have that love. You may feel that love in your heart. But what happens to that love if it never gets expressed, you know, physically uh, or verbally? I mean, what if you guys don't ever tell each other that you love each other? What if you never ritualize that through, you know, a a, a gift, um, a candle at dinner, whatever? I mean, the the love, if it's not expressed, it kind of begins to wane and, and even die. And so I think, yeah, what I what I as a Catholic, what I really appreciate is that we have a God who took on our humanity, who walked this earth for 33 years. And so. He's, he's not just our creator, he's also the perfect psychologist, if you will, and he knows that as human beings, just by, by virtue of how we're made, we need to ritualize and express in very concrete, particular ways um, the love in our hearts, you know, other emotions. I mean, all those spiritual realities that are kind of invisible, they need to, be, they need to take visible form in order to be made real and, and to deepen. And So I just think... Um, all the sacraments, including this one, they're, they're designed because they meet kind of the, the, the human nature as it's been created, you know. Um, there's this great story that I like telling on retreats of a, uh, a famous uh, English violinist named Peter Cropper. And the story I came across goes back, in, it's from the 1980s, but apparently he was given this very expensive, like, Stradivarius violin that was, like, worth estimated at like a quarter of a million dollars or something. So he leaves England, he goes off to, um, I think it was Sweden, to go give this concert. And this tragedy happens that as he's going on stage, he falls and lands on the violin. And like the neck gets broken and there's some crack in the body of the violin. The the part I haven't been able to find out or, or discover on the internet or anything is whether he was so distraught he couldn't perform or whether, you know, he was lent another violin and went on with the show or whatever. I don't know. But apparently the story goes that uh, when he got back to England, he gave this broken violin to like a master craftsman who spent weeks, to, you know, coming up with this special glue and, you know, worked, worked on this instrument like it was a child, you know, taking good care of it. And then like eventually the moment of truth came, you know, with this violin sound anything like it, it did before. And, and I wasn't there, of course, and even if I was, I wouldn't have been able to probably tell the difference. But Peter Cropper was there, and some other people were there, and they, they swear that the violin actually had like a deeper resonance to it and, and actually sounded more beautiful. And I, I use that story as kind of a, a metaphor for confession, because like we go into the confessional, uh, we're kind of broken people, right? We've committed these sins, and so we go in there, and when we come back out, we're not just sort of, in a way, restored to what we were before we sinned, but in some ways, we're, we're better or more beautiful, because in this act of confession, we've also now like grown in humility, and we've grown in gratitude for God who forgives our sins, and you know, we actually are maybe more virtuous uh, than we were before um, you know, we sinned. So none of us want to sin. Sin in and of itself is a very bad thing, but... God can take, you know, I kind of use this expression too, he can take the manure of our sins and he can turn it into great fertilizer that brings awesome growth through these virtues. And so anyway, um, yeah, I just, I get excited talking about the sacrament. I think it's, it's, a, it's awesome. 
I do too. I think it's our most underrated sacrament. Mm-hmm. I I um I was I was reading as I was preparing for this, and I and I can't find it now. Who's who said this? Mm-hmm. I'm not taking credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, the the writer said um, when we avoid confession, um, we're not hiding ourselves from God. Um, we're hiding God from ourselves. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's that's exactly right. Yeah. That's uh, it's it's uh, yeah. God sees everything. You're not fooling yeah. anybody. No, we're not fooling anybody. Right. Although we do, we human beings, and I think everybody would agree to this. We are excellent at fooling ourselves. Right. We're very quick to like rationalize our behaviors, and including our sins. And I think one of the great things about confession is when I actually have to go before another human being, as you said, in persona Christi, and I have to name aloud specific sins, as uncomfortable as that may make me, I can't dodge it anymore. You know, I have to own it and claim it. And then, like you said, to hear the words of forgiveness, I absolve you and so forth. I mean, then that's that's just such a beautiful moment. So I think that's another reason why, you know, it's not enough just to go into your room and privately say something to God because it's, it, you know, it, it can be very easy for us to just sort of overlook and, and uh, miss reality when we do that. The thing that I've learned from going monthly is that it gives me a better uh, view um, to really examine what I'm, what I'm doing. And like a lot of things I can be like, oh, that's not really a sin. Mm-hmm. And then when I go on a regular basis, it really comes into view that it's like, you know what? You're just, you're rationalizing that away. This yeah. is, you know, these are things that you need to bring before a confession and, right. and, and try to, and you may do it again next month, but this is, uh, you know, this is your path to right. trying to be a better person. You know, that the, comment about um, doing it again next month, a, a lot of times when people come to confession to me, they will say something like, you know, Father, I've got the same sins, you know, I've been dealing with the same sins for years now. And, you know, part of me, tongue-in-cheek, says to them, well, maybe it's good that you're not committing 20 brand-new sins every time, you know, that you've got a certain set of sins that tend to be your, you know, your struggle areas, and that's not such a bad thing. But we also have to say that... Um, just because you're, you're struggling with the same sins and maybe committing the same sins doesn't mean that you're not growing. It just might mean that the growth is incremental and it's going to happen over the course of a long time. But we also have to ask, you know, am I confessing these sins just out of habit and just kind of, con- you know, because it's, it's the thing I should be doing? Or do I, do I really have a, also a firm purpose uh, of amendment? Or do I really want to let go of these sins? Because, you know, it can be the case that we confess the same sins for a long, long time because we're not really determined to give them up, you know, so. The, the other last piece, we're running out of time. Yeah, we are the, la- the, the, the one thing that I want to, if anybody hasn't gone to confession and is considering it after, you know, list, probably didn't listen to this podcast, but let's say you did <laughs> and you got all the way through, um, there is, you know, a rare, and I think you'd agree with this, Father, there, there are rare moments when you can get a really lousy uh, confession, you can go in and have a horrible experience, and and it's happened to me a couple of times where I just I don't know if I got the priest on a bad day, mm. or whatever the case may be, and there's a couple that that honestly kind of shook me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, the advice that I would give is um, priests, even though they're in persona Christi, are human too, can mm-hmm. have a bad day, and the the 
the result shouldn't ever be, well, that's it. I'm never going to confession again because right. this guy was a jerk to me. Right. It should be get back on the horse, go back in, and have a more healing experience. Right. And I guarantee you the next guy is going to be uh, a way more healing experience than yeah. the one that the, 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 those are... Um, those are not the rule. Those are the exception. But I want to emphasize, though, that even if that priest was a jerk, to the extent that you confessed your sins sincerely and he said the act of absolution at the end, you are fully healed by God. So the the healing would be more like humanly or psychologically would feel better, obviously, to have a confessor that was more compassionate and empathetic. But the healing which we seek in confession, which is the forgiveness of our sins, that happens... You know, even if the priest is kind of a jerk in his in his words or whatever. So, just want to I just want to clarify that. But no, but, absolutely, yeah. and and going to confession monthly for ten years, I think at least. Um, I've had like two bad experiences mm-hmm. in confession, mm-hmm. and and then and then the rest of them were phenomenal. Yeah. They were they were wonderful experiences. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, don't if people want to find excuses to not go to confession yeah. or, or they're concerned that, like, oh, they're gonna say terrible things to me. The chances yeah. are you got better chances of uh hitting it big in Vegas than you do <laughs> right. uh finding a bad confession. Yeah, well said. Well, said. thanks, man. All right, well, I think we, we gave some people food for thought today, I hope. Yeah, we went. We've been trying to shorten up, and we went the exact opposite well, direction okay. this week. Well, it's as... a good topic. Yeah. All right, Father. I. You know what? I have nothing uh, for uh, things <laughs> t- that we like. <laughs> I don't either. I was thinking about that about twenty minutes ago. Like, <laughs> is he going to ask me? Because I'm not ready for that. Uh, we today. got nothing. So um, okay. Things that we like. Call your mom. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Beautiful. That's a nice thing. You're gonna go see your mom, right? Now that I you're am. Free? I'm gonna. I'm gonna be able to see her tomorrow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. All right. How about some prayer, Father? You All right. Pray for us. Let's do it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we're grateful, especially during this Christmas season, for the gift of your Son Jesus. Please help us to make more room in our own hearts and lives for His coming. We're grateful, too, as we wrap up this podcast for the gift of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and we just open ourselves more deeply to your healing and forgiving power. Blessed Mother Mary, we want to call upon you. You gaze upon us and delight in us as your children, so please wrap your mantle around us and protect us from harm. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, Father. Merry Christmas. Hey, here's something that we like. Christmas is not over until January 10th, people. There you go. It wasn't just one day. No. Nope. It's a season. We are in the season Amen. of Christmas. Exactly. So, Father, you have a great week. All right. Uh, nice chat. Good topic. Yeah, thanks. You too, Jimmy. God bless you. God bless you. Take care, everybody. Bye.